Hello, Guru Fateh. Welcome to the SIGCAST. My name is Manpreet Singh. Thank you for being with us. We are back with our 12 Guru series, uh, 12 Gurus, 1469 to Infinity. And we're going to talk about Guru Angadeji today. And with me, I have Indipreet Singh. Indipreet Singh, thanks for being here with us. Thank you. And so, like I said, we're going to talk about Guru Angadevji. The first episode, uh, we told everyone what this podcast series is about. So if you haven't heard the first episode on Guru Nanak, please do so. And in this episode, we're going to dive right into Guru Angadevji. Uh, Indipreet Singh, please take it away. Okay, thank you. So, yeah, the, the last episode, uh, we uh, had one point that I do want to bring up is we had mentioned that one of the uh, themes or the core values of each guru will be represented through the Bani of Pai Nandlalji. Um, and uh, for the first episode, Guru Nanak was uh, described with the core value of humility. Now with Guru Angad Sahib, uh, the, the value is submission or su- submitting to you know, one who is humble, one who, who has been imbued with humility, is really the one who knows how to submit to, you know, a, a higher being or, or a higher master. So and that was the life of Guru Angad Sahib. However, in order to uh, bring that about, we do have to touch on the life of Pailanaji, which was the name of Guru Angad Sahib before he became Guru. Guru Nanak was the one who named Guru Angad Sahib, Angad. Angad meaning part, a limb of, of the body. But he was uh, known when he was born as, as Pailana. And it's really the life of Pailana and how he then encounters and creates a relationship with Guru Nanak. And then even after he became Guru, that I think Pailanlal has extracted this um, uh, idea of submission and uh, attributed it to being, being the core or the most important value that Guru Angad Sahib showed. Okay, so Pailanaji, he was born in uh, the early 1500s, uh, 1504, um, which is what a lot of our um, oral tradition and other texts uh, tell us. And the village where he was born was called Matte Di Saram, and that's in the district uh, of Firozpur of, of modern-day uh, Punjab. Um, so the the um, his family uh, uh, people within his family are very important. Um, his father's name was Perumal, and his mother's name was Mata Sabrai. But one of the most important or interesting uh, members of his family was his buaji or his aunt. Uh, what, but wasn't his his real uh, um, father's sister, but uh, like a, a, a kind of an adopted sister of his father, and her name was Bibi Virai. And uh, Bibi Virai, during that time, she was a resident of the village of Kadur, and um, she was a Sikh of Guru Nanak. Now, when Pailana is a young boy, uh, our oral tradition tells us that he actually saw Guru Nanak, and Bibi Virai, his his quote-unquote bua, his aunt, um, kind of, um, you know, was part of the Sangat at that time and took the young uh, Pailana Ji along. So there's a lot of different stories like that that we can get from our oral tradition. But what happens is, uh, for one thing or the other, even um, um, Pailana Ji and his family, they moved to the village of Kadur. And it is over there as he's growing up, his father passes away. His father was 
uh, more in the business line of of you know uh, jobs at that time, and had uh, and basically after his father's death, Pailanaji then um, takes over the business. Not only that, his father and his kind of family tradition was that of uh, Durga Pujari. They were they were worshippers of the goddess Durga. Um, some of our texts say it was Vaishnu Devi. Some of the texts say that it was Goddess Durga. But every year, they would take a trip to Jawalamukhi and the father's his family, and then him by uh, by association became the leader of this quote unquote jatha that used to go to this uh, you know uh, Jawalamukhi uh, temple up uh, in like in modern day Himachal Pradesh. So he's living his life, he's a businessman, he's doing all of these rituals and, and um, li- living the life with uh, being, a, being like what I would call today, and I've said many times in other talks that I've done about Guru Angad Sahib, is he was, he was like the president of a major Gurdwara of his time. <laughs> and very well respected and doing the thing about, you know, running this whole um, uh, group that used to go to Jawalamukhi. But there was something, what our oral tradition tells us, there was something missing in his life. And now we're talking about in his late uh, 20s, early 30s. And one day, uh, a Sikh of Guru Nanak, another Sikh, um, who happens to be living in Kadur, has probably been reciting Jabji Sab and Asakiwar every day, but in a kind of a melancholy mood, Bailanaji hears the 21st body of Asakiwar. And what the chroniclers write is that this hearing of this body in whatever mood he was at that given instant and that time completely changed the direction of his life. And he wanted nothing but to meet with who had, you know, revealed those those words from Asakiwar. And, and uh, I, I do think, Manpreet, um, if it's okay, I'm going to read out that small body and spend like a couple of minutes on, on what, it, what it's about. Sure. So th- this is this is in Asakivar. It's body number twenty-one, <clears throat> and obviously it is by Guru Nanak. Um, and it, it goes: Jit seviye sukh paye, so sahib sada samaliye. Jit kita paye apna sa kal buri kyon kaliye. Manda mool na kichei de lammi nazar nihaliye. Jo sahib na nahariye teve ha pasa taliye. Kich lahe upar kaliye. I mean, even some of these words for me uh, are kind of like uh, words of a businessman, right? If you want, so why are you doing the service of some where you're not getting any value from it? This is what the essence of the body is. And when you know that negative deeds are going to cause negative results or, or deeds that don't have any value will not bring value, why you go and about doing that? And and manda mulna kichi de lammi nazar nihali. Every action that you take, make sure there's a long-term reasoning behind or long-term plan behind what you're going to achieve from it. And jo sahib nal nahariye teveha pasataliye. So any endeavor, any business you're going to do, do it where you're not going to lose the, the the connection with the master. In this case, the master, of course, being Vaigru. Kichlahe upakali. And come here and... And whatever you do, make sure you get a profit from it. So here's the language that I think he understands. This is, again, my opinion on that. And he's in this mode of he's living a pretty good life. But when these words hit him, he says, oh, 
I don't know if I'm doing the right thing in my life. I, I really got to understand what it is that, um, where I want to take the direction of my life. So the story goes then, after this, he gets to know, and by the way, this was by, the, the Sikh of Guru Nanak was Pai Jod. In some books it's called Pai Joda, and some books it's called Pai Jod, but Pai Jod then told him Guru Nanak is in Kartarpur. So then on his next trip to Jawalamukhi, he tells the whole Jatha, hey guys, I'm going to, take a detour here, uh, I'll, I'll see you in a couple of days, I just want to go visit this, this, this great person who has, you know, touched, touched my heart with his words. And then, uh, you know, we all know the story. That's when he then meets Guru Nanak for the first time. History goes that he just was transformed completely, wanted to spend as much time as he could with Guru Nanak. He had a family by then, two sons and two daughters, and Actually, Guru Nanak would uh, ask him, uh, uh, you know, many many months after, go back and go go see your go see your family, and he would go see his family. But he would have this yearning to go back to Guru Nanak, and uh, then then would end up uh, going back to Guru Nanak again and again. Now, Guru Nanak had two sons as well. The time came, and and Guru Nanak realized in, in, that the the people that were now being associated with him and the and the and the state of the community and of all the places that he had traveled that um the the a transformation needs to take place and probably couldn't be done in the lifetime of a single guru so um many have uh, have opined that uh, this was the reason why he actually wanted to even choose a successor many people before him who have tried to do and have had impact in the world, they don't choose successors per se. And even if they were choosing a successor in the South Asian context, it would probably be the oldest son, right? It would run within the family. But uh, this was not the way of Guru Nanak. And very, very intensive tests as who really understands the essence of Guru Nanak's revolution. Um, and this is where I think the, the value system of submission gets uh, um, uh, applied to Guru Angad Sahib or Pailanaji at that time. And I'm not going to go into all of the different tests that we've done, uh, that were done uh, to figure out who is the best Sikh for Guru Nanak to then take on the mantle of Guruship. Um, but the last one, I'm sure many people have heard, uh, is that, um, you know, after test after test, and finally there was one episode where... Um, Basically, Guru Nanak, and if only a few of his followers that were left, uh, um, took them to a kind of a cemetery area. Over there, there was a dead body lying on the ground. And uh, Guru Nanak asks his disciples, the few that were there, to go and eat eat that dead body. Um, people of that, in, in, the, the chroniclers write that Guru Nanak had gone you know, mad, everyone was running away, he was throwing stones at people, he was trying to kind of show a very dramatic type of uh, situation was being painted. Um, and uh, uh, there were only two or three six left that would even go with him until that time. But when the time came of saying, now eat a body, the only one that stood firm and obeyed or submitted or agreed with the Master's command, the Guru Nanak's command, was Pailanaji. So he sits down, the story goes, near the body, and then he asks his master, he asks Guru Nanak, uh, from which side should I start, from the head or the foot? Right. So not only is he 
accepting the hukam, accepting the, the orders of his master. He wants to not, uh, um, you know, he, he wants clarification on how he should, how he should be doing this submission. Okay, and then the story goes that it wasn't actually a dead body. Guru Nanak then embraces him, and it, chroniclers say at this time is when he decided Guru Angad would be the guru. Um, one very interesting point, and this is with uh, many of the gurus, um, that Guru Angad Sahib became guru. Guru Nanak actually had a whole ceremony and asked all of his followers in Kartarpur to bow before Guru Angad Sahib, even while Guru Nanak was himself still alive. Some some uh, books will say three months, some books will say six months, but Guru Nanak was still walking this earth um, while Guru Angad Sahib was guru, and and that's actually quite unique, I think, in our in our in, in Sikh history, in our Sikh theological and Sikh cultural perspective, is that the guru and the chela, which we usually attribute to Guru Gobind Singh Sahib, is happening. That that whole idea is being propagated during the guru's time, uh, during Guru Nanak's time as well, and, and subsequent gurus. So so submission. Guru and Chela becoming one historical events of Guru Angad's time is is exposing um, that aspect to us. So it's a very fascinating um, kind of working towards uh, becoming that perfection of Guru from a kind of a mainstream uh, Jawala Mukhi uh, Durga worshipper, leader of his community, to becoming the sit on the throne of Guru Nanak. Um, and this was now in, you know, now we're in the mid-1500s uh, uh, when, when this is happening. So uh, shall we move now into now that he has become guru, um, what were some of uh, the in- interesting contributions? Yeah, yes, please. Let, let's do it. Okay, yeah. So so I think for me, the, the very first uh, contribution of Guru Angad Saab is the formalization of the Gurmukhi script, and even in this, there's there's some very interesting uh, background associated with it. Whenever Guru Nanak would go and travel on his udasis, his four odysseys, um, there is evidence within Pai Gurdasji's Bani, but even 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 otherwise that Guru Nanak would actually scribe. He would write his revelation. So it wasn't just the you know uh, we mentioned it last in the last episode. Madaniya Rabab chaired Bani so it wasn't just the singing, but it was also the writing of 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 the Bani that was done. And so history tells us that the Poti or the uh, where Guru Nanak had written his revelations that was then handed over to uh, Guru Angad Sahib at the time of his becoming Guru. So number one, Guru Nanak was writing in some script. Right, uh, but Gurmukhi is attributed to Guru Angad Sahib. So, what's what's the deal with that? And then there's a lot of research on that. There were all the different scripts that were available, but the fact of the matter remains is that Guru Angad Sahib was the guru who brought in the simplification and the formalization of the of the Gurmukhi script. And um, it is here's another interesting thing <laughs> in, the, in uh, Guru Granth Sahib. There are some special long, they're called Lambia Baniya. So there are some Barnis in the in particular rags that have to do with scripts. It's called Pattis. Uh, Patti ki uh, uh, da Shabad hai. 
And there are uh, different styles of those, but one of the ones from Guru Nanak has 30, is based on 35 letters. The, the way the Bani goes is every letter has a, has a stanza, has a, has a Shabad to it. Um, and then there are others, which is like Bhavanakri, which is uh, 52 uh, letters. So the Devanagri script, which is from for the Sanskrit and all current day Hindi, uh, Hindi uh, script, comes from the, what's called the Devanagri script. It has 52 letters. Uh, one of the varnis of Guru Nanak has 35 letters, and then the formalized initial Gurmukhi letters, and that's why we call them Panti Akshi, uh, is is 35 letters. This was um, history tells us is was formalized by Guru Angad Sahib. And so much so that he is known to have created the first keda, uh, the first uh, called primer, right? In, in English, is where you know where the whole all 35 letters are arranged in in those five columns of of seven rows. Um, and he started teaching himself and also training other teachers in the uh, what is now called kadur sab you know, where he had eventually started going and he had, um, you know, really established that as a learning center, the first learning center of the six uh, led by the guru himself. And uh, Guru Mukhi was taught over there. Um, also, um, it has been written, other subject matters were taught. So the, the focus on ch- children education, education of the child, especially when it comes to the language or, or the script itself, um, uh, was was started by Guru Angad Sahib, and and that is a, a phenomenal kind of tradition in our our faith in our community, where you know education of the child is given a lot of a lot of importance. I also want to mention one thing, and this is from um, I don't know if I mentioned it last time from the sources of where where we're taking our history, but uh, there's a the Sikh religion by Max Arthur McAuliffe. He had a very interesting view of this this defining of 35 characters, and I think I'm going to just read a little um, little uh, section of it. So here, here's what Max Arthur McAuliffe writes: Prior to Guru Angad's time, the compositions of the saints and reformers were, for the most part, written in Sanskrit letters, which I mentioned was Devanagari, right? He deeming that the compositions of Guru Nanak were worthy of a special written character of their own, adopted and modified a Punjabi alphabet and called Gurmukhi to give expression to what fell from the Guru's lips. Uh, Gurmukhi, yes, by the way, uh, the etymological translation would be from the Guru's mouth or the Guru's lips. Um, we have, I, th- I think there was uh, some uh, Sikh Research Institute material we can go through, uh, and it, was, it talks all about Gurmukhi, where Gurmukhi is also a lifestyle. Guru-orientedness could be also a, a, a translation or an interpretation of the word Gurmukhi. But um, this was what even Max Arthur McAuliffe had realized and has written. And then he writes further. He writes, this was furthermore a gain on the score of sim- simplicity, for it contains but 35 letters, while the Sanskrit alphabet has 52 letters. And the final thing, which I thought I'd just share, and I'll leave it over there, is the Gurmu- he writes, the Gurmukhi character was well calculated to make its readers part with the Hindu compositions which were written in Sanskrit. So, from the time of Guru Nanak and all the gurus, one of the things you know that I say often and is 
quite obvious from their life history is they are the, you know, um, you know, in, in, in our high tech culture, we say democratization of, you know, cloud computing, democratization of X, Y, Z, this democratization of have, which means is that giving access to a certain thing to everyone rather than a select few. What Sanskrit was, it was confined to the upper echelon of the Hindu society and all of even writing or discussing religion, quote unquote, or spirituality, quote unquote, was confined into only those letters. What Guru Angad Sahib does, Guru Nanak, and all the gurus, they equalize it. They, they democratize the, the discussion of religion or spirituality or anything else. And, and providing a community a brand new script is, is, is a phenomenal you know, assertion of sovereignty or distinctness of, of, of the community. Um, so I wanted to emphasize that, that point over here from even um, McAuliffe has uh, kind of realized that. I do now want to move to a very interesting episode in the life of uh, Guru Angad, which has to do with the time when he was uh, teaching Gurmukhi as well. And um, uh, I think we had mentioned it, that every guru has somehow or the other had some kind of encounter with the political elite of the time. Obviously, the religious elite, you know, the high caste, uh, the Janeo Walisaki was like, it uh, was the original one. Um, in the time of Guru Angad, probably we won't have time today, uh, but in, the yogis, uh, the yogis of the time came and visited Guru Angad, tried to challenge him as well. But this one is the political elite of the time. So, Everyone probably remembers Babur. Um, he was the first Mughal emperor. His son, Humayun, was the second. And um, at that time, the hegemony of, the, of that Mughal rule was not all across India yet. So there was a lot of uh, still expansion of their empire. But so happens that um, he had lost uh, the throne of Delhi to someone named Shirsa Suri. He was retreating away from Delhi on his way to Lahore and, you know, kind of being a defeated emperor, wanted to try and uh, use whatever means to get back his, his empire. So heard about this, uh, you know, someone sitting on the throne of Guru Nanak, whom his father had encountered in the, in the past and wanted to come and visit. When he came and visited, and it was in Kadur Sahib at that time, the chroniclers write that Guru... Angad Saab was teaching the children Gurmukhi, or was teaching at that time. Was in, it was definitely involved in the divan uh, or, or in, in a practice of, of doing something of what Guru Angad Saab considered to be of utmost importance. So, poor Humayun has to wait. Now, when an emperor has to wait, like, or what he, uh, in this case, <laughs> a defeated emperor is waiting, he's he, you know, trying to be patient, but uh, he gets really angry, the, the story goes, and he tries to draw out his sword, you know, in a fit of anger. And Guru Angad Sahib lifts his head, smiles, and says, you couldn't lift your sword when you were in battle with your Suri, but now you're going to lift your sword against people who are, you know, just, um, you know, in be, being taught and, and uh, you know, non-combatants, non, non, uh, <laughs> essentially. Uh, so the story goes, Humayun was humbled. He, uh, you know, fell at the Guru's feet. He was blessed by the Guru. And, and uh, sometime later, um, he won back the throne of Delhi. 
Now, we, I personally highlighted, even when uh, we, we do workshops on Guru Angad Sahib, we highlight this very one single episode. Um, for me, personally, it's my, you know, kind of viewing of where we are today versus what the gurus taught us of the, um, you know, the uh, way to behave in the gurus darbar or way to behave in doing things that are the, you know, guru-oriented uh, um, cultural aspects of our of our faith, which is in this case teaching Gurmukhi or you know. In our, so I always reminisce, like, or I think about in in our Khalsa schools of today, in our Gurdwaras of today, when forget about you know political elite or religious elite, when you know parents are uh, busy and uh, they want to get their kids out and or you know, do whatever, there's so much chaos and, and not, not that the kind of discipline that's required in the classes, um, that classes are constantly uh, disturbed. So the professionalism of teaching our kids, even in Khalsa schools of today. Secondly, the most important one for me is that we've actually now institutionalized, um, and anyone can go online right now and see what happens in our beloved Darbar Sahib, Harmandar Sahib, when a political dignitary arrives, <laughs> um, or film stars, or you know whatever uh, arrives, so the chaos that ensues for someone visiting our Gurdwaras who happens to be very well-known and popular. Contrast that to the episodes of our Guru's life, like, like in Guru Angad Sahib and, and Humayun. So I just thought um, th- that's another episode in... Uh, Guru Angad Sahib's life that I wanted to, to highlight. I'll stop over here. Um, I'm, I'm, I can go on and on. Manpreet, um, anything you want to um, ask or any aspect of, of the Guru's life? Yeah, no. Um, at, when we were talking about, um, even actually before that, I'm glad that you mentioned film stars and all these people coming to Gurdwaras and making rounds, and it is chaos. It's so much PR, you know, mainly just for photo ops and, you know, touching base, I would say. Uh, and, and that never used to happen back in the day. And I just thought of it when you were saying it. I doubt it when uh, Baba Janelle Singh Pindarvala was there, this stuff was happening then. I highly doubt this stuff was happening then. Now uh, it looks like it's the norm and it should happen. But, you know, according to the story you told of Guruanga Devji with the Mughal Emperor, like, you know, we've uh, we've kind of lost lost our way there, you know, um, right. so, kind of making yeah. me sad here, but I know, I know it's, 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 it's uh, again, nothing to be sad about. I mean, at least, which, you know, the, the purpose of me bringing up these type of episodes is more for realization and, and uh, kind of understanding, go, go back to the basics, go back to the core value systems. You know, the world is, is moving at a fast pace and there's so many distractions um, at every level, religious, political, economic, social. Um, but, and, and that's what, what, what amazes me the most is even, is, it is nothing different, to, in my opinion, even during the times of the gurus or the times, of, like you said, of Baba Janal Singh, which was, you know, 30 years ago, um, and versus now, it, the, the scale might be different, but the core distractions are pretty much the same. <laughs> so, um, and, but, and how do you, combat the distractions is with the core values, right? And, and once, unless, we, unless we, you know, kind of 
take a step back, think about the very simple basics of episodes of Sikh history, the basics what Gurbani uh, tells us and shares with us. Um, we won't have the tools that we know how to combat what we think are, you know, ills in our in in our traditions. So, it's a good point. Yeah, uh, it's a uh, it's it's a very emotional one for me as well. So, uh, but nothing to be sad. We keep moving forward in Chardikala. <laughs> yeah, Chardikala always. Yeah. And I'm yeah. glad you mentioned. So when we were talking about Guru Angad Dev Ji and him, uh, you know, teaching. One of the things that I never knew when I went to one of this uh, one of the workshops that you and Harinder did was the akata element and how he was so uh, um, you know he always he wanted to stress education and wanted to teach kids because you know the kids are going to be um, taken over one day and but he also mm-hmm. wanted uh, that physical element he wanted uh, the kids to play games they wanted the kids to be physically fit and he wanted to do that. I'm not inside the Gurdwara, but around the Gurdwara complex, you know, and I, I wish, you know, I wish that was happening today, um, you know, or when, when I was going to Gurdwara, like, frequently when I was younger and my parents would take me, you know, there was no physical element, at least in my Gurdwara. It was all just uh, come to Gurdwara and just do the things that we're doing now, you know, the same old. So uh, let's talk about that and how he started Akata's. And maybe, right. you know, and what is the main reason or two for them? Okay, okay. No, that's, that's a very good point. So, as I said, right, um, uh, he, he settled in Kadusa <clears throat> after, um, and, and by the way, some historians write that uh, Guru Nanak Sahib had asked him that, okay, well, now that you're Guru, Kartarpur established Hogyasi, right? Kartarpur was already established where Guru Nanak and, and the whole community was building. And if I'm not mistaken, it's about 50 miles or so away is is where, um, uh, or yeah, maybe a little bit more, but um, is where Kadur Saab is. So he settled back in Kadur Saab, which used to be a village. It then became more of a center of Sikh learning. The first kind of really organized, in an organized fashion, a, a center of Sikh learning. I already mentioned that, so there was education, but like you said, there was more physical education. So the akharas or the malakharas, as they're called, was where wrestling bouts used to take place. So the, he he was very fond, uh, we we know from our oral tradition, of wanting the Sikhs to also be physically fit, whereas also you know educate, educated as well. You know the ability to be literal, uh, literary. Uh, education as well as physical education. So he would have them organized and, and you know, the, the wrestling tradition is a pretty old tradition in South Asian, you know, history. So there's a lot of space required and needs to be, you know, different uh, facilities have to be constructed in order to constantly, uh, you know, keep upkeep the, the, the environment. Um, so he, he looked over that uh, and the, the Sangat, you know, chipped in. Uh, in addition to that, uh, so it was a holistic development of the community. I mentioned a little bit earlier, right? Like in Guru Nanak's time, in Guru Nanak's lifetime, all that development couldn't take place. So Guru Nanak left it to the subsequent gurus. I mean, we believe that our guru is perfection. So we, ha- I have no problem thinking that Guru Nanak had a long-term plan and everything was happening according to a planned uh, 
uh, um, you know, according to a long, long-term plan. So the physical fitness that started with just being in uh, and uh, maintaining these wrestling matches then continues to be developed in the time of Guru Amar Ji, Guru Ram Ji, Guru Arjun Sahib, and then Guru Hargobindji, when we know very well that Shastra Vidya or, you know, the martial tradition becomes uh, uh, well-developed. And, I, and I'll, I want to mention one aspect here. Um, a very young disciple of Guru Nanak, his name was Bhai Buddha, or what we know today as Baba Buddha Ji. Bhai Buddha Ji was a Sikh of Guru Nanak when he was a young boy. Bhai Buddha Ji is also comes many times in uh, life stories of Guru Angad Sahib. He sticks with the gurus and helps them develop all of the uh, institutions that they're working on, Guru Ramdas, Guru Arjan Sahib, all the way to the time of Guru, Guru Hargobind Ji as well. Bhai Buddha Ji, Baba Buddha Ji was always there. As, as a disciple of the gurus doing whatever they asked them to do. So we'll, we'll get into more of Bhai, Bhai Buddha Ji's contribution to this idea of physical fitness, which was kind of the seed was set um, by um, Guru Angad of the institutionalizing this idea of physical fitness. The other thing not to forget, by the way, so in addition to education, in addition to um, this physical fitness, uh, we already talked about the political realm. Guess what's happening in the social realm uh, at this time as well? Guru Angad is institutionalizing the uh, institution of Langar. So obviously we all agree, I think, uh, at least in, in a larger circle of, of amongst uh, my circle, that Guru Nanak Saab is the one who started the, this institution of Langar. But in the time of Guru Angad Sahib, it's becoming uh, like much more developed, so much so that his whole family uh, is actually instrumental in ensuring that the institution is is uh, living on. And it happens to be uh, Guru Angad Sahib's wife, uh, Mata Kiviji, who is the one who is, uh, you know, really organizing the langar in a very systematic manner. I was uh, reading the other day that, um, you know, suddenly what starts happening is the Sikh community or the disciples or those that want to get to know the guru are growing really large. So imagine now in Kaduru Sahib, where Guru Angad Sahib and Mata Kiviji are settled, that there are hundreds of people coming to visit. How do you even arrange in those days a langar or food for hundreds of people? So a whole system is being developed. Uh, um, it was an interesting read that I, that I had, uh, and I was thinking through that whole process of what we have to do today in Darbarsa for the hundreds of thousands of people back, back in those days from the scalability perspective, you know, what, what we have to do over there. Not only that, and this is very clear, in the Guru Granth Sahib, Guru Angad Saab is mentioned as continuing the langar of Shabad, and Mata Kiviji is continu continuing the langar of what we know today as langar. And the mention of in Mata Kiviji's langar, the best Punjabi foods used to be there, like kheer and kyo, and you know the very hearty meals uh, were being provided in the langar as well. So, and but we all know the the value system of langar is that of equality. So social structures of divisions of castes are being broken by 
developing and institutionalizing langar by Guru Angad Sahib as well. So it's like good points. Not only physical, it's educational, spiritual, political, and, and social development is really kicking into high gear in, in Guru Angad's time. <coughs> so that um, any, anything else on on uh, on on that part? No, no, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Matakivi and how she's in uh, Gurbani too. I don't think a lot of people know that. But uh, let's end with, um, so he founded uh, Kudur, right? And right. Maybe That's you could yeah. just talk about why, what's the importance, because I, I think like each guru, uh, except I think Guru Harkashanji established a city. So the importance of gurus establishing new cities. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe you could talk about that and then uh, end with Guru Angadev uh, Ji uh, and Kudur Okay, yeah. yeah. So t- two things I, I, I should mention um, also, right? So um, Kudur was the village that already existed, um, but the importance of it, so the establishing of it now into a town or, or more systematic, uh, you know, laid out, um, township was was the uh, contribution of Guru Angad Sahib and the, and the Sikhs over there. So historians have said multiple things uh, when it came to why is it that Guru Nanak Sahib asked Guru Angad to move to Kadur. Uh, some say it was because of this, uh, uh, and I, I mentioned it earlier, right? So he, Guru Nanak didn't choose his sons to be um, the next Guru. And this animosity started building up, and it was kind of a bad kind of family and social kind of uh, issues and atmospheres going on. Some say that that's the reason why. It could be. I, I mean, I'm not. I'm, I, I'm not. Wouldn't know. Another school of thought is, uh, which is I like to probably subscribe to a little bit better, uh, a little bit more, is the. It's the whole idea of developing and expanding the community. So Kartarpur remained Kartarpur. The the traditions that Guru Nanak had taught his disciples there, they continue on. Um, the expansion of the Sikh community was now taking place. And it would be difficult or probably impossible to have that, those systems which were so revolutionary to be done in the existing towns. And therefore the gurus are taking it upon themselves to build new systems. That's what they are. They are the Sarabkala Samrat. They're the masters of all of the arts. And one of the arts was is to creating uh, communities and, and, and townships where the new systems of egalitar- you know, equality, of uh, you know, Seva, Simran, you know, all, all of those ideas can be practiced without any interference or without any um, uh, you know, oppression from, from the outside forces, which still continued and still continues today, but establishing of these cities is giving people who live in there a sense of belonging as well. Right? That, that would be my view, and that's, that kind of debate continues on throughout the history of the, of the gurus about why cities were established. Were they established in a sovereign sense, or was it established for some other reasons? Um, those, those discussions have uh, been going on. I think we'll, we'll cover it uh, later as well. Uh, I did want to go back. Sorry, if we have two minutes. Uh, one of the things in all of the, if people go and will read the different uh, sources that I had mentioned, 
um, in the first episode, uh, whether it be uh, the the Janamsakhis or Parchis or uh, other historians, you'll find mention of very famous uh, story about Satta and Balwand. Um, Satta and Balwand, and because it is in their war that you you find mention of Matakiviji's uh, contribution as well. But what I what I wanted to another kind of institution that's being worked on and developed and issues are happening during the development is the institution of Gurmat Sangeet as well. So Satanbal one were the Kirtanias. They were from the lineage of Pai Mardanaji. And uh, it was during the time of Guru Angad Sahib as well, where that whole story, which is sometimes attributed to the time of Guru Ajahn Sahib, where Guru Ajahn Sahib is the one who started teaching all the Sikhs uh, to... to participate in Gurmat Sangeet as well, um, or to learn the musical arts. Um, it, lots of books will also say that this happened also, this happened during the time of Guru Angad. And the, the, so musical arts, that development, you can see is also happening under um, the leadership of Guru Angad Sahib as well. And that too in Kadur Sahib. So in Kadur Sahib is really literally becoming the importance of it in the lifetime of Guru Angad and even today um, and throughout history uh, has been as a center of Sikh learning. Um, again, not, we probably need too much time, but uh, the couple of the Panjpiyare who from the time of Banda Singh Bahadur when he was sent back to Punjab to t- take back the sovereignty to the people, he was accompanied by two Panjpiyare. Uh, and I'm okay. sorry, I don't remember their names, but uh, we can maybe give it for next time. These two, uh, two of the Panjshkade were from Kadur Sahib. That's, that's an interesting tidbit. <laughs> so in the history, uh, started with Guru Angad Sahib, then became a very important center of, of uh, Sikh learning and Sikh development and Sikh personalities also came from there. And today, if you go to Kadur Sahib, um, I know that there are uh, many institutions that are Keeping that tradition alive, and there's a, there's Gurmat Sangeet, there's Gurbani uh, 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 Santhya learning, and also standard, uh, you know, uh, modern day math, math and sciences education uh, as, as some good work going on in Kudu Sab today. So you know, so the f- final thing I'll say about Guru Angad Sab, um, he has 63 saloks in the Guru Granth Sab. All of those saloks are um, parts of the 22, uh, actually it's only nine wars. There are 22 wars in the Guru Granth Sahib, like Asa Kivar or Maj Kivar, and uh, the saloks of Guru Angad Sahib are uh, incorporated within the wars. Those were done by Guru Arjun Sahib. A lot of his uh, saloks really kind of show his complete kind of uh, symbiotic or, or working in consonance with Guru uh, uh, Nanak Sahib's message as well. And um, for me, I, maybe other, many people know Asakivar is kind of my favorite and I've done uh, a lot of, uh, you know, delving into it as much as possible. Um, in uh, Asakivar, his saloks really talk about what is true submission. What is true being a servant of a master really is. It's not uh, to be a relationship of fear of the master, therefore you do X, Y, Z. It's more of a relationship of of love for the master or union with the master. 
And uh, so anyway, 63 sloks in the Guru Granth Sahib. So his contribution in Gurbani, in the uh, physical fitness sphere, in the um, economic sphere, because uh, Kadur Sahib becomes a business center as well, um, and educational sphere, um, social sphere is is um, something that I encourage all to read about, to study, engage with Guru Angad through his Bani and through the his life episodes of before he became Guru and, and even after he became Guru. Great. Indipreet Singh, really, really appreciate your time uh, talking about Guru Angad Deji today. I want all the listeners to know if you have any questions on this podcast or the previous podcast, uh, please reach out to info at sikri.org um, and we can talk about it on the next episode. The next episode is going to be on uh, Guru Amar Ji, and I'm kind of glad you touched on uh, institutionalized longer because uh, and I'm going to hold you to this for the next podcast, but there's a very not-so-famous story of, uh, according to Pai Veer Singh in the uh, you know, Guru Chamatkar about what happens when Guru Amar Dasi meets Guru Angad Dev Ji for the first time <laughs> at Langar. So I yes. definitely want you to touch on that because really yeah. like nobody knows, you know, and uh, so uh, I think we'll tease that in um, because um, it was fascinating for me to learn. It was fascinating for my parents, my in-laws, like everyone like, wow, this really happened. And, yes. you know, and Five Years yes. Singh is one of our famous scholars. So, if he, you know, uh, people believe him. So, um, yeah, I'll yeah. tease that in I, for the I next know, episode. <laughs> I know what you're talking about, and I'll be ready. Yeah. All right. <laughs> no awesome, problem. Awesome. Um, so, Indipreet Singh, thank you very much, and uh, I'll talk to you next time. Okay. Thank you, Jeet. Vaigur Jeet Ka Khalsa. Vaigur Jeet Ka